This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the Parenting Tools podcast. My name is Jordan. And my name is Jason. This is the podcast where we discuss the hilarious and sometimes disastrous moments of raising kids from temper tantrums in the grocery store to accidentally using diaper rash cream as toothpaste. Diaper rash? That intro was brought to you by Artificial Intelligence. (laughs) (laughs) It's the first intelligence that's been on this podcast. Oh, Jay, today's a, a guest episode. Yeah, with jingles. We don't have jingles for everything. No, I, need to, I need to chill out. Which comes out the day after, or for some schools, depending on how they do things, World Book Day. World Book Day. Here's a question, and I don't know if you know the answer. Is World Book Day actually book day throughout the world, or is that something that we've just used in the UK to make it sound more grandiose? International listeners, let us know. Please let us know. So do you know what that means? Because it's World Book Day. What does that mean? Instagram's just going to be full of kids in costumes. Their parents posting hashtag World Book Is Day. that what you do? I think so. Is that the etiquette? It's like it's become a thing now where people <sighs> post, do you know, like the front door on the first day of school? Yeah. World Book Day in the outfit is really is a thing. Oh, yeah. Can they just go in an outfit as dressed up as themselves? Is there a book about them? Will there be a lack of people going for the costume option this year? Because petrol prices are so high. <laughs> what are costumes made of? <laughs> I just thought about walking on my one of my many walks around Sainsbury's. You see all the costumes. Yeah, yeah. they're extortionate. Not cheap. No. Well, we've uh, has Noah got a, an outfit planned? Based on my comments, probably not. <laughs> <laughs> she, she she might do. Um, honestly, not really thought about it. So we're recording this before World Book Day. Yep. It's now making me think I should make sure she's got an outfit. Um, but it's on a Friday. No, it's on a Thursday. Thursday or Friday. Oh, I, 
Simple answer, I don't know. I think World Book Day is on Thursday, but I know that some schools will do it on Friday, so you can dress up for like the last day uh, of the week. Okay, yeah, I see. Where I've already got a hack here. This is a top tool. Got no top tool. Oh, I missed it. Left me when we actually it. have a jingle, I miss it. <laughs> <laughs> so my daughter's got a, uh, a duck onesie. If we need a costume, there are plenty of books about so ducks. So many ducks. Yep. There you go. There's a top tool. Mother goose. That's not a duck, is it? Is it ducklings? A goose chick's called ducklings? Are they called gooselings? The ugly duckling? I'm not saying Noah is, but that's a... Just that book about five ducks that go swimming one day. That's a nursery rhyme, isn't it? That's... <laughs> that can come in a book. <laughs> book of nursery rhymes. This is where, like, you know, you see young lads that are like seven, <laughs> dressed up as, just they've got their football kit on, and they're just holding the... the sticker team, book. Yeah, <laughs> sticker book or the team annual. Just there with a panini sticker book dressed the as book their favourite. does not specify. <laughs> you're not a book character. You're a sports person. Who's in a book? Have you got a costume sorted? Oh, yeah. My wife on it. Chief planner. So um, And a teacher. And a teacher. Yeah, I'm sure it's required. <laughs> You've got to be good at World Book Day. Um, at remembering when it is. <laughs> so our son's going as the hungry caterpillar. Nice. Yep. And our daughter is going as a butterfly. Oh, that's very there nice. You go. That's beautiful. All wrapped up in one little cocoon. Yeah. I, I'm not complaining. I want to see those photos. That'd be nice. He knows the whole story of the Hungry Caterpillar by heart. This is this is a question I actually had. I wanted to ask some parents. Is that normal? Because when I read stories with my daughter, she pretends that she can read, but yep. she's just memorized yeah, yeah. it. Yep. And she'll even now with her finger go across the words Yeah, like she's reading it. But she can't read. No, it's it's just memorised. There we go. Yeah, that happens to us as well. <laughs> so it comes a point where your child knows a book so much that you can't skip pages anymore. Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. we've all done it. You're like, oh, joy. <laughs> get a bit late, get a bit tired, just skip a few pages. And then when they go, whoa, I, whoa, yeah. hang on a second. Then you, that's a game changer. <laughs> You're in it for the, the full Or story. you try to provide a summary of the page. <laughs> you missed that bit. <laughs> <laughs> my daughter's favourite book at the minute is The Gruffalo oh good book I had never come across never actually read or saw or watched the story of The Gruffalo until like the last few weeks I love it it's great I'm hooked yeah but we've read the story so many times now I tried to summarise the page because if no you've read it three of the pages are pretty much the same just with a different animal <laughs> <laughs> so I tried to provide a short succinct summary this bear in mind this is not bedtime this is the first thing in the morning we're running around mm. late for nursery. She wants to read the book. Okay, right, quick. Here's the summary. Right, the same thing happens with the snake. No, no. <laughs> the same thing happens Re- with the snake. Re- <laughs> <laughs> read it again, Daddy. It's like, okay. And then I read it, but I also did it by memory, but of the previous animal, and it's slightly different. Mm. So I had to then read it a third time the correct way. So you might as well just save the time and read Should've it right. Should have just saved the time. <laughs> That's a good question, an opening question from myself. Yeah, what's your favourite kids' book? Yeah, what is your favourite kids' book? For To read to my child or to both, like that both, I enjoy? Both, that you enjoy, you have a fond memory of. Oh or... gosh, I'm the wrong person to ask this. Really? <laughs> I've read one book since... In your life? Since, as far as I can remember, yeah, I've finished one book. And I know that's nothing what to be proud it? of. It was Judah Smith. Nice. A book called Jesus Is. It's a good book. Great book. Compared to all the other ones I've read, it's brilliant. So I I I hadn't ever read a book 
fully, like cover to cover, until I went to uni. Yes, yeah, I, I can't remember. If you take that out of the equation, I can't remember the last hey. book I read from. Do you enjoy? Do you not enjoy reading? I'm so slow, and listeners probably pick this up when I'm reading out stories and messages. Yeah. I just don't. It just takes so much time. Oh, it does because I'm rubbish at it. So I actually prefer. I mean, I I don't like reading. I have audio books. Mm. Love them. Genuinely use them all the time because I can't read that well. Yeah. But I, because it takes me so much energy to actually try and read correctly, I can't take it in. Yeah, I'm getting better. Like I'm trying to read more, but it's just that. So I just stick on an audio book. But so, what's the favourite book that you like with your kids? Is there anything that you like to enjoy? I like the Gruffalo. The Gruffalo. Yeah, I do like the Gruffalo. Um, I like to. It's not. It's not reading books, but I like to recite like the old school stories. Yeah. Like um, Goldlocks and the Three Bears, yeah. but change it up a little bit to mix up the characters. So we have Lightyear Locks quite a lot. <laughs> and, the th- and the three Zergs. That's brilliant. Yeah, I've just got to mix it up, and you've got to keep brilliant. it fresh. And I'd I'd say it in very matter of fact. So like d- Daddy Daddy Bear will be like, What what is this nonsense? <laughs> What's the crack here? You should write your children's books. Get, out, be brilliant. get out of the bed, you weirdo. <laughs> you can't just barge into someone's house, eat the porridge, lie in the bed, sling your hook. <laughs> See, I am terrible at making stories up on the spot. I'm absolutely useless. Well, I think that's I'm overcompensating because I can't read. You should well, write them down. I don't read. And then sell them. Yeah. Except <laughs> buy them. I need the ideas. <laughs> I can write. I can write quite yeah. well. Um, but when it comes to like, proofreading my own work, I have to give it to someone else. I just, I'm terrible. What about I, you? What's your favourite? I've been really enjoying the Gruffalo and... Mainly because it is solving a challenge that I was actually a little bit worried about. Okay. In the sense of, what? I wasn't wasn't <laughs> worried about it. how to how <laughs> to get out of a rough encounter with an owl. I was I was really conscious of at some point having to approach the topic with my daughter about the food chain. Really? Yeah. And like, because I always make the joke that when Peppa Pig comes on and we've got bacon. I was like, oh. oh, we're enjoying a bit of Peppa Pig. And my wife hates it. Really? <laughs> it's, it's funny. Um, and like, she doesn't understand. But it's that thing of all these cute, because they make it all, all the animals look really cute now on all the shows. Mm. And then when they're eating each other, it's a bit like, oh. I was a little bit worried about how to approach that conversation and all that sort of thing. Um, I was worried about how she would find it because she was quite scared of a few other things. Um, but as soon as she read The Gruffalo, um, she was just laughing, like so. The first encounter. This is not spoilers. <laughs> <laughs> she, the, the little mouse encounters a fox, and the fox wants to eat him. And like you read through that, and the first time we did it, <laughs> <laughs> that's really cool. That's someone's driving along. For Flip's sake, he's given that away. <laughs> I'd never read the Gruffalo story until last week. <laughs> I'm glad no one spoiled it. No. <laughs> I'm not. Essentially, and as soon as I read that page, she just burst out laughing, going, <laughs> Fox wants to eat him. Silly old fox. Doesn't he know? Yeah. <laughs> there's someone there's someone driving that doesn't know. <laughs> Tell us. <laughs> what does he know? <laughs> Spoilers. <laughs> there's no such thing as a gruffalo. It's brilliant. It's, it sounds really silly, but that was one thing that I was like weirdly worried about. 
But now it's just like, oh, she understands that other animals eat other animals. Yeah. And it was just like, oh, okay, that's fine. We can, we can joke about that now. I first encountered this with Finding Nemo. So do you know right at the yeah. start when uh, yeah. Nemo's mum goes missing? Yeah. And all Nemo's brothers and sisters. Is it a barracuda that gets them? No idea. It's a big, aggressive, nasty-looking fish. And uh, anyway, my, I watched it with my nephew. He was about four or five. And he just kept going, where's Nemo's mummy? Oh. And he's not my child. Yeah. It's not for me oh. to kind of teach him how death works and stuff. And I was like, oh, she's just gone away. Um, you know, but it doesn't matter kind of thing. Where's Nemo's mummy? Where's Nemo's mummy gone? And he just kept asking me. And eventually I was like, look, mate, she's dead. <laughs> <laughs> to a four-year-old. He kept asking. <laughs> it goes Ooh. back to that thing we were talking about last, was it two weeks ago? It was like, what do you do when you, your kids keep asking you questions? Sometimes you just got to answer them. Wow. <laughs> so yeah, he uh, he learned a lesson that day. <laughs> it's so hard though, isn't it? Like approaching any sort of deep topic with a child because you don't know like what they're ready for. Yeah, or and, like, what they'll understand. Even even basic things, and we've talked about it before of like like your private parts and like educating them of what's not okay and like how soon's too soon. It's like it's just life, mm. and it's like sometimes you come across the things like like death is a big one, like having to navigate those challenges with a child yeah but also like it's just life like when it comes to something that i was worried about that like we're eating animals or animals eat other other things it's just it just happens i sort of somehow i wanted to protect her from like being worried about it but she was fine yeah and so now we pretend that when you get the little pom bears mm-hmm. that they're little real bears that run around you just eat their heads so did I did I imagine that we had a message before we even started the podcast from someone saying like how do you approach the topic of death? We did have a, we did have a message from Chris, and it was something along the lines of someone said, "Oh, they're asleep." Yeah, so I think the message was a relative had died, like a grandparent, and the child was getting really upset. Mm-hmm. And it's how how to navigate and help them understand because it's when they're gone, they're gone. Yeah, and that's really difficult to get your head around but also it is just really sad yeah so it's you've got two battles of having to explain what's happened but also just help them with the sadness because the goal isn't that you just won't be sad anymore it's it's a sad thing yeah and it's okay to be sad but where's the line of understanding and yeah that, that i think that was the question we we didn't swerve it but neither of us had experience of explaining that to our kids yet right so no we said we'd ask a guest on and we'd talk about it because yeah. it is an important thing. And, and, that's, and that's the plan. And like, obviously with my job, if you're a new listener, I'm, I'm a minister. So I actually have, I deal with death, not quite a lot, but it's part of my job to help families kind of process some of that stuff. And with kids, a lot of, a lot of the time, families don't realise that because kids look like they're acting normal, mm. that actually they're in turmoil inside. And it's like it's so important for us to help them understand what the, what's what's happening, yeah. And that it's normal to feel absolutely dreadful that you've lost someone. Um, and so it's just that thing of actually, it would be really helpful if we had someone on who has done that professionally yeah, yeah, yeah. and well and all that sort of stuff. Um, but it is it's big topics, isn't it? Big old topic. Big old topic. It's huge. Changing gear slightly and speaking of the food chain, 
I found a good program you can watch with kids that is enjoyable for both you and them. Oh, come on. Corey Carson? No, not no. in the same vein. <laughs> I've been enjoying that recently. <laughs> Our Planet. Oh, David Attenborough. Yeah. Oh, come on. There's lots of animals. That's amazing, yeah. Yeah, so I was, I just thought, you know what, let's give this a whirl. They were saying, can we watch something? Yeah. And we normally let them watch something on Saturday morning. So I, th- I thought, can't really be dealing with kids' things at the minute. I was tired. I hadn't had a coffee yet. So I put on Our Planet. Nice. And it worked so well. They were both looking at the animals and the birds and the fish. And I was there thinking, it's quite enjoyable. I that, can watch this. That's a solid suggestion. Until. Ooh. <laughs> Our friend, Sir David, started to talk about the Peruvian booby. (laughs) (laughs) And my three-year-old just looked across at me and went, you're a booby. (laughs) (laughs) I'm so glad it's happening in your house as well. (laughs) I didn't even think anything of it. I I thought, oh, you might say the word booby. But it's when I just saw him look across at me. I think, what's, what's coming here? But I didn't expect to be labelled a booby. I think what I love about that is he's recognised it's a funny word. Yeah, and I can get away with yeah. this. So I just, um, yeah, just kind of giggled, let it go. <laughs> so, Jace, we've had a couple of comments that I want to uh, pick up on. So uh, these have come on TikTok. And one is in reply to Hessa. Yes. So Hester's question about her child uh, struggling with being in the car when it's dark. So Nicola, and do you know those lines that's like a, a long L? So P- the letter L? It's like a letter L, but bigger. And it's like a spacer oh, in yeah, titles. Yeah. I don't know what the punctuation or the grammar, whatever it is, is called. Let's call it a line. A big old line. Nicola, line, mum life has put, we got those little lights that stick on the roof by the door. Press them to turn them on. So, I, yeah, I know the ones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but they're not too bright. Seems to do the trick for now. <laughs> Sweaty face smile emoji. I tried those. Lost it within six minutes. <laughs> How? Some of them, they're magnetic, aren't they? So you have to put a little base on them sometimes. Yeah, or like a little adhesive to pop yeah. them on. This is right in the middle of COVID. I remember it so well. We pulled up at a service station, opened the door, hit the light. Slammed the door, drove off, and the light was no longer there. Six minutes. Gone. That's a record. Yeah. <laughs> good suggestion, though, if you can get them to stick. Yeah, really good suggestion. So, yeah, give that a try, Hessa, if uh, if you're listening. And also, posted the video. Do you know what I said about how I threw a muslin and it landed on my little <laughs> girl's head and she just fell asleep? Yes. And then we implemented that. Um, just want to circle back to that because what I didn't explicitly say was we would take it off. She wasn't just in the cot with a, a cloth on her face. <laughs> um, so we would take it off. So if you're thinking, let's give it a try, take it off. <laughs> or don't leave them in, in there with them. Or I don't know, but yeah, didn't say that. Felt like I should say that because... It did feel like common sense. But... But when you're tired as a parent and someone tells you something works yeah and we did have a comment someone rightly raising that as a thing of you know that can be dangerous don't leave it in there with them but we did have a comment from Rachel on TikTok I'll tell you what though we had 420 comments about that video (laughs) of a lot mostly of people going we did this yeah and it was the only thing that worked 
we had some comments that said, did this and it worked. Someone put, what is this witchcraft? <laughs> Someone put, you say, lads, you saved our evening. I saw a few comments go, I'm going to try this. And then people replying going, can't believe it, it worked. Yeah, no way. A few that said, tried it, didn't work. Yeah. You know what? You try the next thing. We go again. But um, yeah, so many people saying, I, I used to do this. But this one tickled me to the point where I, I shared it in the WhatsApp. <laughs> so Rachel said, my son used to suck a teddy's ear. He didn't have it one day and we were out, so we tried a clean sock. <laughs> she just put, out cold with a sock in his mouth. <laughs> put a sock in it. <laughs> so yeah, there were a couple of TikTok comments that um, that tickled me. Oh, that's amazing. And just for your research, that bar is called a vertical bar. What bar? That line. Oh, there you go. There we go. Automatically called a vertical bar. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot about it. Should we have a guest? We have got a guest. Before we jump into our guest, can I just tell you a joke? Oh, I'm going to set it up nice and clean. Why did the scarecrow win an award? One second. Why did this? Let me try and figure it out. Because he I've was got outstanding it. in a field. I got it. <laughs> I knew it. Let's get the guest on. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. So welcome to the podcast, Jen Alford. Jen, thank you for joining us. It's a pleasure to be with you. Thanks for having me. Jen, I've just got to say straight off the cuff, you are the coolest head teacher <laughs> I've ever seen. Wow, what a compliment. I mean, <laughs> I'm not sure the children or the teachers in my school will think that, but I'll take it. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, amazing. Jen, so we usually start off with like the same question for each of our guests. It's who are you and what have you got? What have I got? Children-wise. Oh, right. <laughs> I was like, well, could be here a long time. Okay, so I'm Jen, and I'm married to Tim, um, and we live in Malvern, and we've got, and I've got two kids. One boy, redhead, fiery ginger, nine-year-old, and a sassy six-year-old girl, Aria. Wow. <laughs> yeah, living my best life. And I've just given the game away, but you are a head teacher. How long have you been doing that for Jen how long have you been in teaching for so I've been a head teacher just since September so that's a really new role for me but I've been teaching since 2009 and I've had the privilege of working in a whole number of schools in the West Midlands and now I find myself in a small school in rural Malvern oh wow did you uh, did you always want to be a teacher kind of growing up or what made you want to be a teacher 
No, I didn't want to be a teacher. So I come from a line of medics. My mum and my dad are medics. And I went, um, I did my A-levels and and I was planning to follow suit, but I got an E in my AS chemistry and I really hated my chemistry teacher. And so it came to a point where I had to decide, do I want to do medicine enough to repeat this chemistry or do I want to change the track of my life? And so I decided right there and then that medicine was out. And that um, I was going to go for something else. So I didn't repeat chemistry and I went on to university to do biomedical science. So I've got a BSc in biomedical science. And in my third year at uni, I was like, oh, what, I got to get a job. That's what happens, isn't it? you got to get a job. I've got to kind of grow up now. And I, I didn't really have anything up my sleeve. Some of my uni friends were going off to do like lab work. And I know that wasn't for me. And um, teaching to be honest, had never really come into my mind, except for that I'd always loved being with kids. So I thought, well, I'll give it a whirl. It was that or being a paramedic. And um, the thing is, is that I could go back home to stay with my mum and dad to train to be a teacher. And I didn't want to get into any more student debt. So I was like, well, I'm just going to go and become a teacher. (laughs) And um, so, so it definitely hasn't been one of those all my life things. Although now that I'm in it, it's kind of a, I can't believe I didn't want to do this all my life because it is something I'm really passionate about. Wow. Yeah. Have you got a, a favourite subject from when you were in the classroom every day? So when I was teaching or when I was a child? Oh, let's go for both. Okay. So I'm not, a, I'm not, I am one of these people that is not highly academic, but I'm a, I'm a grafter. I'm a classic girl. I'm, I was a quiet student and found maths quite challenging. And I remember my parents always telling me that I was rubbish at spelling. And and so I wasn't a natural academic, but I've always grafted. I've always been a real hard worker. So when I went into teaching, what I wanted to do was really unlock maths for learners so that they didn't feel like I did as a, ki- as a kid and particularly um, fell in love with phonics because I'm actually an early years teacher, really in my heart of hearts, the younger, the better. So I love teaching phonics and actually, um, I'm ahead that I, I still I'm in the classroom a lot I, I I coach teaching and learning all the time so I've been teaching year six Hinduism this afternoon and I, I teach phonics most days because I, can't, I really believe that to be an authentic head or to carry any weight you need to know what you're doing in the classroom so I still keep my feet very much in the classroom wow just just for those of us who don't know what phonics actually is can you explain? <laughs> let me help you ready at what's the word Oh, okay. I see. I thought you were talking about maths. I was like, how, oh, no, no. Phonics, really is, the, phonics is the early reading code that we teach children so that they learn to read. And it, and, ah. it's still, and, and English happens to be the most complex language out there. So instead of there just being sounds to match the alphabet, there's all kinds of, of codes to crack. Um, and I love teaching children to unlock that because unlock that it's really powerful. So phonics, is that similar to phonetics or am I just saying it wrong? No, phonics and phonetics is the same. Phonics is the phonics. Every letter in the alphabet carries a sound, and every combination of letters carries a sound. So we teach children to read single letter sounds, digraphs, trigraphs, all different. And phonetics is just the the science behind it, I suppose. Honestly, I've learned something already. This is great. You're welcome. <laughs> is that how I'm to teach a live lesson if you want? Yeah. <laughs> What's um like? What, in your opinion, what's one of the biggest challenges in like schools or changes in schools in education over kind of the last few years, especially yeah. obviously off the back of COVID, but all of that, mm. just in general? So like, you know, I, I think as a head, 
that um, it's only really now that we're seeing the impact of the pandemic. So when when schools change shape and when when people say schools close and it causes all this uproar, schools never closed. We know that, don't we? Schools just change shape. So we 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 learned we took our hand to remotely educating thirty four year olds online, and when we were doing doorstop knocking and all of this, and we were there with our kids, and we never closed, but it changed shape. But the thing is, is that, and, and everyone thought that would be the impact of COVID, but but now here we are two years down the line and we've, we, we're have we experiencing classrooms like we've never experienced before. So neurodiversity, as in our children, that their brains work differently, they think differently in terms of need, it is, is bigger and stronger than we've ever seen before. But more than that, we've got children who really struggle with emotional regulation. So they've had this huge amount of time out of the classroom, particularly the children who are slightly older, they haven't ever learned those fundamental skills in terms of how to manage their feelings and behaviour. And so they're thrown back into a classroom, some of which have been out of school for two years, three, four years, if their parents chose to home educate them for longer. And they're put into this rigid environment and expected to be one of 30 or one of 32. And, and managing your feelings and behaviours is huge. So we've got we've got that mixed with the fact that our budgets have never been stripped back so much. And so actually... The classrooms are full of neurodiversity. There's not very much funding. And so it's mm. one teacher in most schools with one teaching assistant with 32 children. And just in one of my classrooms alone, I've got um, a fairly new teacher. I've got a TA who's fairly experienced. I've got um, three different languages. I've got children who are from the um, a standard of year one to year six plus. I've got um, children on part-time timetables because of their behavior. I've got children whose parents don't bring them to school every day. And that's just, you know, that's just one classroom. Mm. And you've got one one teacher and one teaching assistant trying to manage that because the budget doesn't allow for us to put in more support. Where we know there is need, we just physically can't afford to do so. So COVID's had a massive impact, massive. And of course, there are academic gaps, but, you know, you know, in my heart of hearts, I'm, a, I'm somebody that really believes that children are only able to learn when they're mentally and physically able to do so. And actually, there's no point in me plugging gaps in addition and subtraction if I've got children who actually can't listen and can't attend because their emotions are all over the place. So, so the, the fundamentals are drilling back down into that really emotional resilience area. Wow. Do you think, like, I know I'm jumping ahead a little bit, but do you think that's why there's like a much grow? I don't know if it's growing, but it seems to me that it's a, a growing trend of parents wanting to do more homeschooling. Is mm. that do you think in a response to some of the stuff that you're talking about? Like also parents recognizing the need for children, their individual needs and all that kind of stuff? Yeah, I think it's multifaceted. I think there's a fear. Um I think that parents are also more needy as a result of COVID than ever before. And there's a, and they, because they've had such close time with their fat, with their children have become uh, more anxious and more insecure about their children's learning. And so sometimes when things feel out of control, what we do is we, we, we crave control, don't we? And so we say, well, if you can't do it, I'm just going to do it. So there's an element of that. There's an element of um, the school system just not being fit to serve the needs of lots of children in some ways. And, there's, there's a number of special schools up and down our country, but 99% of them are full round to the rafters. And so what happens then is children who have need, but maybe not as significant enough to be in a special school or in a mainstream school, but they actually have no facility or necessarily extra funding or extra training to meet their needs. And so as a parent, well, you're thinking, well, your job is to teach my child and I'm trusting you every day to keep them safe. And and so and so you've got two, you've got the parents whose children fall victim sometimes to children that need extra help. 
and they say, well, you're not looking after my child, so I'm just going to take them out. And then you've got the children that struggle in school that need extra support but don't have the funding. And their parents say, well, you know, you're not doing the job either. So it, it, it's it's a cycle of challenge there. Mm. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, it does sound challenging. It sounds very different to how it was when I was at school um, as well. Um, Jen, one thing I want to ask you. So I'd like to get some input from you as a mother and a teacher um, from your experience. But from my side of things, maybe selfishly, my little boy is going to school in September. Uh And we hear the term school ready, Uh being school ready. As um, like you said, you're your early years teacher at heart and as a head now, what does that term mean from a school point of view? Because for me, it's just, I thought we need to stop him from napping so he can stay asleep for a whole school day. Well, no, do you know what? And I love that you think that because whenever my parents come in and, you know, up until this year, I've always been the reception teacher, they've come to me and and we talk a lot about that school ready. Well, what does that look like? And and actually, you know, for me as a practitioner, what that doesn't mean is that you've taught them to write their name because nine times out of 10 parents do that or nurseries do that. And, and their letter formation is wrong and they're taught to hold their pencil in a way that then bad habits are hard to, it's not about knowing their numbers to 10 and being able to spot them on the doors when you go past. School readiness is about that mental and psychological and emotional readiness. So when I'm talking to my parents about being school ready, I'm saying, does your child know how to find find their coat at home? Do they know what it looks like? Can they put their coat on without you always holding it for them? Does your child know how to hold their lunch bag and bring it down and put it somewhere that you asked them to put it? Does your child know how to use the toilet independently and preferably wipe their bottom, although we understand that's quite challenging. But at school, we can't be wiping 30 bottoms. So the more ready they are, for that that's that's fantastic can your child peel a satsuma does your child understand um and has they have some experience of sharing and coming and having some element of compromise with another child without you always intervening so school ready to me can they put their shoes on the right feet without support have you bought them shoes that they can do up because you know so many parents buy their children lace-up shoes and children can't do lace-up shoes, but when they're at school, there's an expectation that they're going to be able to do their own shoes. Can they get changed on their own without you saying, right, first your pants, now your socks? You know, have you come up with some strategies that enable them to be successful? So there's definitely not an academic pressure. But I think, I mean, I know from my own experience, I was so worried that Tobiah, oh, I was like, Tim, we've given him a stupid name. It's got so many letters in, he's never going to learn it. The it and the jervis are... And I, like in hindsight, really, what Tobiah needed was social interaction. Does he understand that he can't always have his own way? He can't always have the red Power Ranger. Sometimes you have to share that one. <laughs> and like with Aria, she's really different. You know, she's really sociable, but actually academics not so easy for her. So, you know, it's finding the balance. But school ready is not about am I sending my child to school? Can they read? No. Like, can they blend? No, it doesn't matter what it like. It's about that. Um, some practical skills, definitely shoes. Can they recognise their name? That would be really great, especially because they have 30 children with the same jumper is really tricky. So if you could like at least have some sort of secret code where there's an orange sticker on the inside of there so that they can at least recognise it. But it's just those simple practical skills that then when they do have them, everything's, can you imagine how hard it is when you go to school and you can't do anything the teacher's asking you to do? Like put your shoes on, I can't, get your coat, I don't know. Like, so we're just trying to prepare them for those things. Honestly, yeah. that is so helpful. I'm, I'm literally going to listen back to that and write a little list 
Because, like, I don't know. <laughs> I've got a PowerPoint. I've got a PowerPoint. Honestly, no, no one, like, teaches you as parents, like, the stuff that you should do with your, your children. And, like, you can read a lot and you can watch a lot of stuff. And nowadays there's so much advice on TikTok and some of it's just useless. Um, but genuinely, there is no kind of general guide. This is what you should do when your child turns three. And it's like, just, that is just so helpful of going, okay, these are things that we can work towards. And some of them you can tick off fantastic, but it's like, oh, okay, yeah. She really does need a coat that she can put on. <laughs> like, makes sense. In all seriousness, I have got a document that I give to my parents about what I'd love your child to be able to do before they start nursery and what I'd love your child to be able to do before they start reception, which you're welcome to. I Legitimately, can, can we have special. that? And can we put that as like a little download? An Alfred special, you're welcome. Honestly, that would oh. be amazing. That's superb. And if it helps, my nine-year-old still asks me to wipe his bum for him when he's being lazy. So don't worry, perfection isn't something to att- uh, Don't worry, we all know I've wiped many a bum. It's it's, it's one of those things, though, isn't it? Because like I, I would rather a list of standards that I can work towards rather than standards that she's just not that my daughter's just not fulfilling. Like I want to know what I'm aiming for rather yeah. than just there you go something. Um, and so I don't mind if I'm failing at some of them. At least I know what I'm working towards. Okay, that's good. I like that. I'll send you the list, Jace. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate that. So cutlery. again, the... cutlery is a big one. Cutlery, it's coming back to me. <laughs> There's another question, really, kind of for the parents as well, from that perspective of what is one thing that you wish more parents knew? As a teacher. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I love that question. Um. We might not always get it right, but we always care about your child. We might not always get it right for you in this moment or whatever it is that you're worried about now, but there is never a moment where any of us come to school and the be all and end all of our day isn't the children in our class. No teacher comes to school for the money. It's not worth it. No teacher gets up every day and deals with the relentless slog that there is if we didn't really believe in the power of education. So no teacher is perfect and plenty of mistakes will occur in your child's journey of education. But every teacher does care about the children. That's so good. I imagine I imagine teachers get a lot of flack from parents. Yeah. And I can imagine that and, could be and quite the, and the press. difficult. Yeah. yeah it's hard. I imagine that's quite difficult to deal with, especially on a week to week basis when yeah. all you do is care um that's that's really good and and i always i've learned if i've learned anything in my in my shortish career it's that I'm, i'd never want to be slow to say sorry because of course we get it wrong there are 32 personalities in a classroom that means there's 64 parents sometimes even more because there's there's split families and we can't always get it right we're all so human but Every decision that we make as a school and I make as a head and my teachers try and make is with the best intentions at heart. No, we don't always get it right. But yes, we do care about your child's future. Jen, does it feel sometimes, because my wife's a teacher and she's taught primary school across several ages and she'll come home and tell me about her day. (laughs) A lot of times it sounds like she's just parenting at times. Does it feel like that sometimes? Um, yeah I mean there are uh, yeah I mean it does but then I think um, for me like the ultimate privilege both being a classroom teacher of which I've absolutely loved and now being ahead is that you get to impact little lives and that impact for some lasts a lifetime so yes there is an element of parenting there's also an element 
you know, I think even more so now that I'm maybe out of the classroom, there's an element of the time that I spend both parenting the parents or, uh, you know, culture shaping, shifting, encouraging, empathizing with parents. That's very central to my job. But also because I am a parent and I get the challenges of parenting, but also some of the some of the some of the biggest gaps in our education system are things that traditionally probably were seen as things that should have been dealt with at home. So there are, without a doubt, more children coming into school than ever that aren't toilet trained. Now, 10 years ago, schools would have said, we're not changing your child. You know, that's an at-home issue. But, you know, the, the nature of COVID, the nature of the society um, and pushing parents, like encouraging parents into work, all of those things are great. But we're picking up lots of things in schools you know, supporting around bedtimes, regulation, thinking about diets, lots of things that really traditionally would have been parenting issues. But yeah. my feeling about it is what a privilege, like whatever they come at, how, where, you know, you'll get a child who comes fairly well-rounded, you know, they've got it all that you can see that. And, you know, I love educating them, but there is nothing quite like the power of a child that, you know, you know that every day they come to school, you are the single most important adult that's not in their family and that you get to mm. contribute to their life. And lots of that is nurture and basic skill. Let me show you how to pull your inside out jumper the right way around. That's a life skill. But you know what? I might be the only person that shows him how to get the bunny out of the bar- uh, out of his out of his hole. You know, I might be the only person that teaches that child to do the shoelaces up. I might actually be the only person that ever teaches that child to ride a bike. And no one may, he may never be able to do column addition, but I may have given him a chance to have a brighter future by, by doing stuff that previously would have been parenting. Mm, that's awesome. But you do have to shift your brain a little bit into think because, you know, I work with a whole host of teachers, some of which will resent that and a whole host that you've changed the mindset to what, you know, I go into school every day and I say to myself in the car on the way there, other than there, come on, Jen, you can do this. But, you know, like, Jen, you might actually change someone's life today. Like, mm. you know, teaching someone to tie their shoelaces is a life skill. And if that's what I do, then that's something that will go with them to their future. Oh, I think yeah. that's amazing. I think you do hear so many stories. Uh, particularly from like athletes or things like that people who make it onto like the, the public stage of actually how important their teachers were to their journey because like you're right outside of their parents adults are spending like so much significant input into their lives um, yeah I think especially primary school teachers you know primary school teachers we spend eight hours a day 36 um 36 weeks a year with these children and and you know, the young, the children are absolute sponge. They come in and I say to myself every day, like, you got to bring your best because for those kids, you're the single most important adult in their life today. It's for my own kids. You know, I see my own kids so much less than I see the kids in my school. Wow. And, and sometimes I say to myself in the way to school, I want to treat these kids how I wish my kids got treated every day. Like, if I give anything to the kids of the world, let it be what I hope my kids got every day. Yeah. Hmm. And that's that Go on, Jay, so. Is is there any tension in that? Because like one of the things that when I'm at work, it's it's easier for me to segregate like my, my life as a parent and then my life just working to provide and all that sort of stuff. Is there any tension like because you're with other people's children? Does that cause any sort of tensions within you of wanting to spend more time with your kids or, or are you just happy mm-hmm. seeing it as like another job? No, my kids are really annoying. I'm glad they're somewhere else. <laughs> Um, it like <laughs> it's a tension to manage I say that tongue-in-cheek but they are quite annoying so Tim and I have kind of gone back and forth do we put them at my school like 
the investment's massive. I spent hours, 60 hours a week working till I just put them in the wells. If they were there, I'd get to see them every day. And then I come home and I'm like, no, you are still annoying. So let's not do that. No, I, I say that um, I really believe and I work like I have the privilege of teaching some of my closest friends, children. And I love that. It's a real privilege. But I do genuinely believe that one thing that is really important, especially in that year five, six, is that your child, your children have had and have learned how to be away from their parents. Yeah. Because secondary school is like a really big deal like in terms of size, identity, fitting in, culture. So I work in a school, I've got 90 kids on roll. It's pretty small. I know everyone by name. I know all their siblings. I know every football team they support. We can have banter about, you know, Manchester United losing 7-0 to Liverpool because I've got that information. Oh, no. Oh, no, you're a fan. Um, and then suddenly they go to secondary school and they're one of a thousand in a year group or one of whatever, hundreds. So so my perception is if Tobiah had only ever been to school with me, then going from that small fit situation into a massive secondary school when I'm not there is quite tough. Yeah. So it is genuinely a decision. And I also think there is something really nice. So I would be the teacher that got home and was like, why did you do that at lunchtime? I saw you and you were not using your fork and you're so embarrassing. And uh, I would be that mum. I know I'm too highly strung. I'd see him in the corridor and I'd be like, why are your tie? Why is your tie out? You're so embarrassed. And I'd see him picking his nose. Everything about the children would whine. Aria, and as I said, she's not very academic. So I'd be at home. I'd be drilling her. So I quite like the fact that they get to live their life away from me and they get to experience that. And I and I do think, like, you don't get me wrong, I, I sometimes think, wouldn't it be so much more convenient? It'd be cheaper. We wouldn't have to pay rough around care. Tim would love it. He'd never have to do any childcare. He'd be like, he'd be living his best life. He'd be running the hills all the time. But actually for them and their transition, their next steps, especially because Tobias is quite a mummy's boy, it's a conscious decision. Not if, And I, yes, I do think about the investment that I give other people's children, but parenting other people's children is way easier than parenting mine. So don't judge me. <laughs> no, I, I love that. And I think that's, that's something that does occupy my brain quite a lot of like preparing my daughter for the world. Yeah, like, that's it. And yeah. my, what I say to my kids at school every day is my job is to nurture the potential in you to have the brightest future. My my job is to get you ready for whatever your next step is. So if you're going into year seven, my job is to get you ready for that. But my job is to get the four-year-olds and five-year-olds ready for year one. And if my kids were there with me, I'm not sure that they would ever be ready because if somebody fell out on the playground, they'd be like, mummy, mm. my mum's the head teacher. Aria, she'd love it. She'd absolutely <laughs> love it. Just name dropping. I, I don't want to manage. <laughs> my mum was a dinner lady at my school when I was in primary school. And the weirdest thing about it was other kids would hold her hand. And I think, why are you holding my mum? Yeah. Why are you holding my mum's hand? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So the kids come into school every morning and they're like, Mrs. Albert. So I would be like, why are you talking to her like that? She's weird. <laughs> I mean, it would just be so, like, let me be, let me be famous and leave me, kids. They just ruin my bubble. Let me be famous. Let me be famous. It's the one place, okay? <laughs> it's mine. <laughs> so, Jen, a big, a big part of why we asked you on this week was because it was World Book Day uh, last week. Mm-hmm. Um, before we let you go, what did your, what did your kids, uh, Tobias and Aria, dress up as? <laughs> so. Thank my kids go to a school who thought it was a great idea to have a theme about um, journeys. 
and I love their school and I love their head teacher, but it was a really bad, it was, it, the WhatsApp groups were on fire because they had to dress up as a country. And uh, I mean, I've got a whole load of fancy dress. We've got Where's Wally, we've got Elsa, we've got all the classics. And normally I can bend any theme to fit the fancy dress costumes that we already have. But countries was really stretching us. So um, we spent a little bit of time thinking of all the things that would not be uh, uh, at all controversial because, you know, in my son's head, there were lots of great ideas that were not appropriate. And he went in his very safe England football kit. And Aria, my little girl, well, she loves this Fancy Nancy thing that she watches on Disney. And Fancy Nancy, she's an artist in Paris. And Aria wants to, you know, so she was like, I'm going to go as Fancy Nancy. So we dressed her up in her full stripes and she had her beret, as she calls it. Beret, I keep telling her, but no, beret. But then she did make herself like a little... A little string of onions, which I thought was maybe a little, you know, but you know, she went and she looked great. Close to the wire. <laughs> a little, little close. I want, I wanted to give her a mustache, but apparently that was a no. <laughs> oh, that's uh, Jen. I've really enjoyed this. I know Jordan said one more question, but I've got another question. Go on, I'm all right. I'm all Just right. I'm one, one kind of nugget of wisdom to parents, just people that are trying to make it. Have you got one? wrap around here's my advice oh, that's to you a big question um i've got a few nuggets can i go with a few yeah we'll go for a few okay so when you get to the point where you're ch- when you're picking your child's school for the first time don't go off offset and um, reports and websites alone but go into the school and get a feeling for it because i am always forever saying on the phone to people look come and have a look around get a gut feeling for who we are and what we stand for because it might just be a piece of view but it also might not so make sure that very first decision that you make around where your child's going to go to school is one that you really feel good about and also don't just look in the reception when you go and I remember I went to look around for Tobias and Aria's school and all I could think about was Tobias being in reception that very first year so I was like oh yeah this is great I love it yeah yeah I loved it and then the school was in like serious had and then I didn't think anything about the year groups that are higher up so when he came to going into year one I was so disappointed <laughs> I was like oh I think about this last year like have longevity think about what their life is going to be like not just for one year that's my first my second is comparison is the joy of thief oh no the thief of joy the thief of joy sorry comparison is the thief of joy your child my child everyone's child will always be different to other people's children and schooling can be amazing but it can also be tough and we all have to as parents just learn to accept that our kids are just the way they are and love them as they are so you know there will be things you agree with there'll be things you don't agree with there'll be the moments when you think your child's a genius and the school doesn't see it there'll be moments where you um don't understand why the school's made the decision they've made um but but my my best advice is pick your battles and um strive i guess strike happiness is the key to success if your child loves going to school every day and there are tiny little things that nibble you let them lie but if they're if and when things arise and they're bigger go in and have a conversation don't let stuff fester because schools aren't perfect and i would way rather a parent came to me and said hey mrs alfred can you just explain this to me than the big whatsapp group explosion 
that then meant I got 15 parents come and speak to me about something that never happened because it's just blown out of all kinds of, you know, reality. But yeah, little things will happen like they do in churches, like they do in businesses, like they do in everything. Little things will happen. But um, if your child's happy at school and um, loves going in and enjoys it 99.9% of the time, then they're, they're you're on to a winner. Amazing. I love that. That's great, Jen. Thank you. So I know there's going to be so many people listening to this who have young kids that are maybe going to nursery and they're going to go to school next year. People like myself, who's uh, my son's starting this year, that are going to find that so helpful. Um, it's been great speaking to you, Jen. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. And I hope that you have a, a great rest of the school year. Oh, Jordan, how amazing was that? That was quality. That was so good. And you hear, and I know this from my wife being a teacher and my mother-in-law being a teacher, the majority of teachers do it because they love it and they're passionate about the kids they teach. Mm. And that really came across um, with Jen, didn't it? Yeah, no, it was genuinely, I found that really helpful. And uh, if you want to download that uh, checklist that we mentioned in the interview, you can find it in the links below. Um, we'd love to hear your stories, just your messages. You can message us at Parenting Tools Pod on TikTok and on Instagram. And other than that, have a great week. See you soon. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code Buttery. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.